0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We are still podcasting a Bible class on Wednesday nights for those who cannot be with us at the building and also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to do this, to spread God's word through the medium of the internet over these podcasts all around the world to everyone everywhere who has an opportunity to have access to the internet. Well, we're thankful. We're thankful for you listening. We pray and we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. Now, you can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But you know people in your life who need to get into God's word. Undoubtedly, you know such people, probably some within your own family, in fact. Well, help them to do exactly that, to get into God's word by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, and again, other technological means. But you may help somebody actually turn their life around, come to God, and get to heaven. What a great blessing that would be for them, but it would also be a great blessing for you. So share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. Make that commitment. Encourage them also to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and click on the email link, and you can contact us that way and ask us any questions or make comments as you listen to these studies. But you can also click on the podcast link and sign up for a podcasting. Now, that's free. We're not after your wallet. We simply want to help people get to heaven. And when anyone signs up for our podcasting, they will receive automatically to their smart device, whichever one they choose, their smartphone or computer or laptop or pad or tablet or whatever it might be. Automatically, they will receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons. And I believe a really wonderful daily, seven days a week, short Bible study. We call today's Bible class. It's only about 13 minutes long every day. You can listen on your way to work in the morning or on your way home from work after work. You can listen during a break time or maybe taking a little break at the house from your chores around the house or just driving across town. Well, again, easy to listen to, but it is in God's word and very pertinent and and, and relevant studies every day, seven days a week but you'll also receive our daily Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures. And while you're at our website, churchofchrist.com, you can download and watch on video numerous sermons. You can download those sermons also on audio, and there's hundreds of them there. You can listen. You can also download hundreds of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles, read through those, study through those, and again, grow spiritually. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And so the more you get into God's Word, the more you help other people get into God's Word, well, the stronger your faith is going to become. So we encourage you, tell everybody about churchofchrist.com and click on the podcast link and sign up for our podcasting again always free always free we're going to get back into our study from first peter i'm sorry second peter and we're going to look at verses 16 through 21 of chapter 1 now i want us to think about the what peter is writing here about how we can have confidence in God's word as truly being God's word, but also how we can have confidence that God's word is giving us his exact will for our lives. And that's important because a whole lot of people, they want to change things to suit themselves. I'm going to read all the way through verses 16 through 21, and then we'll come back and start making some uh, kind of in-depth specifics here. For we did not allow, I'm sorry, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father, honor and glory, when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Well, a great deal of instruction and understanding in those several verses. Let's go back to verse 16. Peter is speaking here, and he says, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses. Well, you see, Peter was among the original 12 apostles chosen by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, divinely appointed thereby. He was there, and he was not just writing here about someone he was told about, but he was writing here about firsthand eyewitness personal experience with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was there with him in his presence, walked with him, traveled with him, sat down before him and listened personally to instruction and teaching and guidance from the Lord himself. But look at Matthew chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up in a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Before. In other words, these were eyewitnesses of, on this special occasion. Now, all of the apostles were with Jesus on an ongoing basis, going from place to place as Jesus traveled and taught people on a wide-scale basis geographically, and multitudes would be following him and listening to his teaching, wanting to hear him, wanting to come near the Lord. But now, on this particular occasion, we call this the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter was saying, I was there at that time, too. Yes, I was there with Jesus and James and John. I was there. And he was transformed before them, the text tells us. His face shone like the sun. Now, who was transformed? Jesus. And his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." hear him. Well, quite an experience. It must have been awesome for those apostles, those human men who were there with Jesus on that that special occasion, personally seeing and personally experiencing the transfiguration of Jesus and seeing Moses and Elijah from Old Testament times appearing there with their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Incredible. Notice it says that the face of Jesus shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Now again, Peter is not recounting in Second Peter chapter one, verses sixteen through twenty-one, something he was told about by someone else, or someone that was or something that was passed on to him by word of mouth through three or four different witnesses, or 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 rather uh, communicants, you know, somebody says, "Oh, I I saw so and so," or I heard from so and so who said he was there, and then they tell somebody else, they tell somebody else, they tell somebody else. No, no, Peter was saying again, back in Second Peter chapter one and verse sixteen, we were eyewitnesses of his Majesty. He's saying, "I was there along." Along with uh, Peter, uh, along with James and John, we were there in Jesus's presence when this happened. He was transfigured. Moses appeared with him. Elijah appeared with him. The face of Jesus shone like the sun. His clothes became white as the light. Again, awesome appearance, awesome experience. I, I I cannot imagine fully what Peter and James and John must have experienced. How they must have felt when they saw all of this happening before their very eyes. Now, Peter, as we read different accounts of him during his ministry with Jesus, as one of his apostles, as Jesus was going through his ministry on this earth and Peter and the rest of the apostles were going with him and receiving direct communication and instruction from their Lord, Peter seemed to be at times rather impetuous outspoken. He seemed to be something perhaps of a leader among the apostles even back then. But here, on this occasion, during the transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, Peter speaks up. Now, he probably thought he was proposing a good idea. He was obviously impressed, awed with what he saw going on before him. Jesus's appearance, his countenance changing and the brightness of the sun radiating from him. And then also there's Moses and Elijah, Old Testament leaders and prophets. But of course, from a physical perspective, long since hundreds and hundreds of years before, dead physically, but gone to be with, the Lord, gone to be with God. Well, here they are in appearance right before Peter, James, and John and with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Peter suggests, Lord, now he's speaking to Jesus here. It is good for us to be here. Well, obviously so. If you wish. Now, it's a good thing that Peter added that particular (laughs) condition. If you wish. Let us make here three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, what would a tabernacle be? Going back to Old Testament times, when the tabernacle of God was used, it was first built and then it was used and transported from place to place by the Israelites, and they were guided to construct it exactly the way God wanted them to construct it. Well, what was it? Basically a place of worship, a place where God would meet Moses, give him instruction, But it would be a place where the people would come and gather around to worship. Later, Solomon would replace the tabernacle with the temple, a physical constructed uh, uh, edifice of of stone and, and brick and so on, whatever building materials they would use at that time. But that replaced the tabernacle. But it was a place of worship, basically. Now think about what Peter is suggesting here. Lord, if you wish, let us make three places of worship. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Well, should he have been thinking about worshiping Moses and Elijah? Is that the the responsibility? In fact, is that even proper for mankind? Well, then in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 17, while he was still speaking, and, and I, I think maybe we can get the understanding here that, that God is basically yeah, cutting off any further thought or expression from Peter along this line, and God is saying, whoa, 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 voice from heaven a voice out of the cloud, a cloud that overshadowed them, voice out of the cloud, obviously from heaven, obviously the voice of God, because he says of Jesus, this is my beloved son, my beloved son. Well, who is the father of Jesus when we're thinking about that relationship? God, the father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, John 3 and verse 16. And so God is speaking from the cloud. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And here are the three words that I believe are intended to set Peter's thinking in proper line. Hear him or hear ye him, depending on your translation. Hear him. Moses is not a person to worship, even his spirit, even in memory. Neither is Elijah. They were they were men. This is my son. This is the Lord and Savior. This is God the Son. Hear him. Listen to him and follow him. Well, back in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16, Peter says, Hey, I was there. I was there with James and John. We were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. Again, it wasn't secondhand or third or fourth or fifth hand testimony on the part of someone. We were there. We saw what happened. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to Him from the excellent go- glory This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Peter got the message. He got the message. That was not a demonstration on the part of God sending Moses and Elijah to appear before Jesus at that transfiguration. It was not an exercise to point toward Moses and Elijah being people or the spirits of people who had lived before and they were to be worshipped. Now, no, no, Peter had that wrong. That was part of God glorifying Jesus, bringing back for that brief period to the presence of the Lord Himself these renowned forefathers of Israelite history, Old Testament leaders, Moses and Elijah. And so Peter, but Peter says again, but God glorified Jesus on that occasion, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Peter goes on and says in verse 18 of Second Peter chapter 1, We heard this voice which came from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. Again, we call this the Mount of Transfiguration. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You need to pay attention to this. Jesus was glorified by God the Father. And then he goes on in verses 20 and 21. And this is a key understanding that we need to come to as followers of God and believers in Jesus. Peter says, knowing this, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. A whole lot of people out there today, when they will start telling you what they believe or you start hearing some of their teaching, their members of some denomination, and you say, wait a minute the Bible says this, and you're saying something else. And then a common response on their part is, well, you see it that way, we see it a different way. It's just a matter of interpretation. You interpret the scriptures that way, we interpret it a different way. And what they're implying then is there's a whole lot of other denominations that interpret it different ways than us. And so that's okay. We're supposed to all just... just." agree that we, we understand it by different lines of interpretation. Well, Peter says that's not scriptural. That's not God's will. No prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. It's supposed to mean the same thing to every one of us, every single one of us, because scripture is God's very word. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally from the Greek meaning, all scripture is God-breathed. The image being coming across God's very lips. Now the understanding there is, it is God's very word. Now is God the author of confusion? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 no. In fact, the apostle Paul says he is not the author of confusion. So God is not giving us teaching, or we could say doctrine. That's, that word sounds technical. It simply means teaching. God is not giving us teaching in his word, his scriptures. That is confusing to us allowing us to say, well, we understand it this way. You understand it that way. Those people over there, they understand it a different way. No, no. It means the same thing for every one of us because it is God's very word. It is therefore truth. Jesus prayed in the night of his betrayal in John 17 in verse 17, praying to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth, demonstrated, written down for us. And remember John chapter 8 and verse 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So God's word is not a matter of private interpretation. It's not open to our, our individual personal feelings as to what we should think or how we should understand it or how we should believe it or apply it. No, it's God's word. It means the same thing for every one of us. Now we go, we look at 1 John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. And here John the apostle writes, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And that's, Very descriptive terminology referring to Jesus again. And John is saying, as well as Peter had just said, we have seen with our eyes our Lord and Savior. He could have gone on and said, we've listened with our very ears his teachings. But again, it's not second, third, fourth, fifth-hand knowledge that he's writing about here. He says, we were there. We saw him. We were in his presence just as Peter had said, again, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, Peter said. Well, John goes on in verse 2, he says, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. Jesus, in other words, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Well, do you think the teachings of Jesus are subject to our personal interpretations, feelings, wishes? Of course not. Of course not. They are meant for every one of us to teach us the same truths. We go back to Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two. <clears throat> I want us to read beginning with verse with verse two. And here the Hebrews writer writes, How shall I'm sorry, for if the words spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Well, the Hebrews writer is saying again, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first, at the first when, going all the way back to the time Jesus was walking this earth, teaching the gospel, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, Jesus himself, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. By those who heard him. Well, here in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, I was there. I was one of the ones who heard him. And John wrote in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, so was I. I was there. I heard him. So the Hebrews writer says, The eyewitnesses have passed this on to us so that we can have confidence in all that Jesus taught, all that he claimed to be, including being the savior of mankind and sent from the throne room in heaven by God the Father. And of course, the ultimate proof of that was when God raised him from the grave alive. And he walked upon this earth another 40 days and presented himself alive, risen, before hundreds and hundreds of witnesses. Now we come back to 2 Peter chapter 1, and I want us to understand verses 20 and 21 emphatically. Peter said, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now here's the principle. God's word cannot be changed and still be God's word. In fact, when you look at the closing verses of the Revelation, chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, we read this, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. The plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. From the book of life. That book that has the names of the saved in it from the holy city, heaven itself. In other words, that won't be the home of the one who tries to change God's word and from the things which are written in this book. We cannot change God's word and it still be God's word. It's not all right for us to say, well, well, I think this, or, you know, times have changed. Cultural perspective has Progressed. Let me tell you, cultural perspective from a spiritual perspective has digressed largely. But it doesn't matter. Cultural perspective is still the perspective of humankind. And we're talking about the Word of God, divinity. We cannot change it and it be okay. We cannot change it and be okay in the eyes of God. In Galatians chapter 1 and verses six through nine, the Apostle Paul addressed this very principle with the churches of Galatia. False teachers had come in, and he said, "I'm amazed. I marvel that you are so soon removed from what you had been taught to another gospel, which is not another." Then he goes on and says, but there are some who twist or pervert the gospel. Well, Paul was saying there, because they have twisted it, perverted it, changed it, it's no longer the gospel. And so he strongly emphasizes, rebukes those Christians in Galatia who had been taken in, at least to some extent, by these false teachings, And he says, you've got to get back in line. What they're teaching you, that's not the gospel. The gospel that was taught to you originally, that's the gospel. And that's the only gospel. You can't change it and have it still be the gospel. Well, we'll pick up with chapter 2 in 2 Peter next time. And how important... These last several verses of chapter 1 have been, and still are, verses 16 through 21. I hope you appreciate the depth and the meaning and the import of those verses. We've got to accept God's word as he has given it to us. It's not a matter of our individual personal interpretation. It's God's word. He's the interpreter, and we need simply submit our will to his will. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, the depth of teaching and instruction and promise and blessing and hope that you have communicated to us through your word. Help us to hold on to that and cherish it and respect it as being your true word, and to live by your teachings communicated therein, Father, we pray. Help people all over the world see the blessings of simply living by your word and thereby living by your will. We pray for souls, Father. We pray for our souls. Please forgive us. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.